0: you're listening to the writing wall podcast and i'm your host stacy hawks every second and fourth saturday of the month i will be here at 6 p.m eastern standard time on anchor spotify apple podcast google podcast and many other platforms This podcast is designed for indie authors to have a platform to share their books, their poetry, and their stories. We also feature well-known and traditional writers that are from my home state of North Carolina, while also featuring local writers from my backyard right here in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of Allegheny County. You can connect with us on Twitter at The Writing Wall or on Instagram at writingsonthewall85. And grab our links there to our website so that you can keep up with what's happening with our monthly newsletter newsletters go out the first of every month and you can also sign up to follow us on the wix app because everyone has a story we want to hear yours what is your story into season three we want to provide followers of our blog and podcast with promotional opportunities and encourage them to consider becoming a buy me a coffee sponsor for the writing wall blog and podcast for as little as two dollars a month we will feature your book and a link for subscribers to find on our off the wall page become a sponsor and have a custom ad ran on one of our podcast airings during the month or during our writing corner wednesday podcast event you'll also have your link and book on our off the wall page too because we all have a story here at the writing wall podcast we want to continue sharing these great stories with book lovers and authors like you visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash the writing wall to support today Good evening and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Writing Wall podcast. I'm your host Stacey Hawks and we're here with a very special individual who has just released her first novel titled Even As We Breathe. It was released by the University Press of Kentucky in 2020 and was a finalist for the Weatherford Award and named one of NPR's best books of 2020. So it is my pleasure to introduce followers and listeners of The Writing Wall to Annette Sanook Clapsaddle. Annette, thank you so much for being part of the podcast this Saturday. Yeah, thanks for having me. Share with listeners a little bit about yourself and the genre you write.
1: Sure. So as you mentioned, my name is Annette Sanook Clapsaddle and I live in Cherokee, North Carolina. It's also where I was born and raised and have lived most of my life except for Uh, When I went away to school, I teach high school English at Swain County High School. I actually teach high school English and co-teach Cherokee studies there. Live in Cherokee with my husband, Evan, and our two boys, Ross and Charlie. Most of my writing is centered on place. And the novel, even as we breathe, is literary fiction. Specifically for this novel, it's historical fiction set in the summer of 1942. You know, I also write some nonfiction and some shorter fiction. But it, it's all, for the most part, in the fiction genre, it's it's all literary fiction.
0: You certainly live in one of the most beautiful parts of North Carolina, which is Cherokee. Which part of Cherokee would you say is your favorite?
1: Oh, that's that's tough to say. Um, I love water. So I think, you know, the oconnor River, where I spent most of my childhood in the middle of that river, is my favorite aspect of the the land here but i'm also a mountain biker so the fire mountain trail system in cherokee which opened between three and four years ago is where i spent a lot of my time and i just i just love going there for a lot of reasons
0: so for listeners who are curious share with them what even as we breathe is about
1: Sure. So, um, as I mentioned, Even As We Breathe is set the summer of 1942. And during that year, the Grove Park Inn and Resort in Asheville, North Carolina, held access diplomats and foreign nationals as prisoners of war. So, the novel takes place there that summer, partly, and then also partly in Cherokee. The protagonist, county, is a 19 year old young man who goes to work at the Grove Park that summer as a member the grounds crew. He's joined by a young woman named Essie, whom he has a little bit of a crush on, who also is going to the Grove Park to work for the summer. While he is working, he is accused of being involved in the disappearance of a diplomat's daughter. And so he has to prove his innocence. In the midst of also trying to figure out some family mysteries going on back home surrounding his parents' past, County was raised by his grandmother, Lishi, and his uncle, Bud, and is is really just now starting to discover more about his parents than he has ever known before.
0: I think the Grove Park Inn is a beautiful setting for this novel. I'm reading it myself, and I also think that for listeners out there, if you'd like a little backstory on the Grove Park Inn, It was actually built by Edwin Wiley Grove and his son-in-law, Fred Loring Seeley. Mr. Grove is also known as the father of modern Asheville. So during your research into historical locations like the Grove Park Inn, was there any piece of information or any story that surprised or interested you?
1: You know, to begin with, just to learn about the Grove Park's role was fascinating. I mean, fascinating enough to, to start writing a book about it. Because I had grown up here my whole life, I haven't really heard a lot of that history, and even when I started digging into it, there's not a lot published about that summer, which makes sense, you know, being in the middle of wartime, there's just not a lot of reporting going on at, at places like that. But the really fascinating uh, research that I found was that type of research that just takes you down a rabbit hole, things that don't even end up in the book (laughs) that are just, you know, really entertaining to me. But most recently, this actually came after the book. So I wouldn't classify it as my own research, but I was contacted by somebody who shared with me some interesting information. They had read the book and were familiar with the fact that there's a monkey in the book named Edgar. And Edgar is actually based on a, I think it's weird to call a monkey a historical figure, but I guess he a historical figure that used to roam around these mountains. So I had included him because I'd heard that story before. But the, the man that contacted me most recently told me that that there was actually a monkey that also lived in Asheville in one of the stores downtown in Asheville and would would kind of make his way around Asheville some. And then also that the kids, and this is, this is actually you know, really a disturbing piece, some of the kids that summer would go up to the Grove Park Inn and climb the fences where the prisoners were being held and act like monkeys uh, on the haunting. It's very, I don't know, things like that are so odd to me because I didn't know that prior to writing, but it's, it's kind of strange how a lot of it falls together. Um, I guess I'll I'll say one thing that I did uncover technically in the research part or kind of in the drafting was the history of the Cherokee people in Asheville, something I knew a little bit of. But very specifically, there's a canoe race in the novel, and that's a nod to the actual canoe races that used to happen on the rivers in in Asheville uh, by Cherokee people. So, you know, Asheville is historical Cherokee land in itself.
0: Prior to Even As We Breathe, had you published anywhere else or any other story? And if so, what was that story about?
1: Oh, sure. I've had several publications. I've done a lot of editorial work with you know regional magazines, places like Smoky Mountain Living. There's, my first manuscript is not published, but uh, an excerpt was published in an anthology. That first manuscript is called Going to Water a finalist for the Pim bellwether and it is loosely based on the character of my grandfather who was a two-term chief and a professional heavyweight wrestling champion and a business owner in cherokee so it's kind of based on his experiences playing that role of a professional wrestler on tour <laughs> and an actual cherokee chief so you know and there are just other smaller publications i When I worked in our chief's office in Cherokee, worked on a series of children's books that we just published, you know, through that office. I've been writing a long time, but this is definitely my first novel. You know, I tend to write across genres for the most part, but most of what I write about is tied to place and tends to be tied to Cherokee culture or at least Appalachian culture.
0: Will you publish the full Going to Water manuscript? (laughs) Maybe.
1: Hopefully. I don't, you know, the question after this novel came out, the question then was, do I return to the first manuscript or do I continue on a, a new project I've started? And I just feel like my heart is in this new project. And so that's, that's what I'm pursuing right now. But going to water, you know, maybe one day will be. I'm not quite ready to go back to it just yet. You know, I'm just kind of looking forward to the the next project that's pretty different than those two.
0: So what inspired you to write Even As We Breathe? How did the concept for the book come about?
1: I think a few things came into place at once. I was looking for a new project after going to water. You know, I I couldn't find an agent for going to water and there were some close calls, (laughs) I guess I'll say, but I shelved it and I really needed a new focus. And so a few things happened kind of at once. I had seen in the Asheville Citizen Times newspaper an article about Asheville's role during World War II. And, and this article came out right about the time that the movie Monuments Men was coming out. And it focused on how the Biltmore House safeguarded precious works of art. But there was about a paragraph that discussed the Grove Park holding access diplomats. And foreign nationals as prisoners of war. I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I just found that incredible that I'd never heard about that before, and started asking some local historians how much they knew about it. And, and really, most people didn't know about it. So number one, that fascinated me because I don't consider myself a historian. I'm very careful to write in that kind of historical fiction or nonfiction genre because I, I get nervous about that. I get, my husband is a former history teacher, so I get pretty nervous about it. But there was like, there was enough missing information that I felt I could be really creative with that. At the same time, I had given myself a writing prompt and I went to the the Jackson County Library in Silva and went into a tiny room, closed the door behind me, gave myself a writing prompt to write as long as I possibly could on the simplest object I could think of, just to get my brain going. I landed on writing about a bone for as long as I could. And really out of that writing prompt session, much of the novel just kind of came about. What is now the prologue to the novel, most of that was generated in that library that day. So I started thinking about these very contemporary issues of identity and race and class and citizenship. And the fact that the Grove Park during that period of time would serve as a really important catalyst for talking about contemporary issues through the lens of the past. And so, when I started thinking about all the things I'd wanna talk about in terms of contemporary issues, it made sense that this novel could be really setting-driven, that the time and the place, the interaction with bringing a protagonist from Cherokee into this you know, kind of strange culture that's going on at the Grove Park at that time really gave me the opportunity to dig into those issues and talk to them through you know, a narrative lens that might be a little bit more accessible.
0: How did you come up with your main character, County?
1: That's a good question. I'm, you know, I can't remember the moment where I settled on his voice. I will say, because I'm often asked, you know, what it's like to write from a young male perspective, not being young nor male. <laughs> but I really fell back on my experience as a high school teacher. And then also just like my friends and family who I watched really come out of that period in their life to do some really incredible things, but, you know, struggled when they were County's age, trying to figure out who they were, really facing some obstacles that maybe they they weren't able to name at that time. But, you know, in retrospect, we see they had some different obstacles than than other people. So I've had kind of a, a tender place in my heart for those young men who were trying to find themselves. And maybe that's, you know, where County came from. I knew that I wanted a voice of a narrator who was open enough to explore and take a few risks, but still had kind of some traditional caution that comes with leaving one's home for the first time and being in a new place. So I don't remember the moment that, that county came to me, but, I, you know, it was fairly early, obviously, in the process. And I, you know, I was writing in first person from the beginning, even though, you know, I, I try to question myself on that periodically. But I guess from the beginning, I heard his voice, whether I named it or not.
0: You mentioned that you wrote the book in first person. Did you find that easier or harder to write in that perspective.
1: County is older, recounting his stories. And one of the reasons uh, why I found that perspective useful for me is because I had been reading and teaching for a couple of years now, Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. And I always find um, how remarkable his voice is in that he is communicating directly to his son. It's a very intimate memoir that deals with some extremely heavy issues. And so um, when I was thinking about voice of the novel, I wanted that intimacy between the narrator and the reader. made sense that it was first person. I feel like you can do a lot with voice when you do that. Of course, the limits of first person are that your narrator just about has to be there for every bit of information. There are a couple of tricks you can use, but it does limit some of the layers in a story, or it could limit the layers of story because your narrator needs, needs to have all of that information. So, that, I really like that perspective just because of the closeness between the narrator and the reader.
0: How long did it take you to write even as we breathe from the idea all the way to publication?
1: I am the worst with time. You know, I think I may have said four years at one point. That feels partly right. I, you know, it, d- it definitely took years. And and also recently I've, I've lost, I feel like we've all lost this year because of pandemic that I keep forgetting there's like a loss somewhere in there. So around four years, I mean, it takes a couple of years of drafting and then you know, thinking you're almost there, workshopping and realize you're not quite almost there. And so several years, I'll put it that way. Not as long as the first one, but I was more consistent with this one in in terms of the process.
0: The book is set in Asheville. What is one of your favorite settings in the book
1: from the area? Well, you know, it's interesting because in the book, we don't leave the Grove Park too often. There are a couple of times. So my favorite place is actually within the Grove Park. And I don't know if it exists because I've been asked that question, but the room that County and Essie spend their time together in. So they found this kind of secret room that they they think most people don't know about. And they build their own culture within that room. And that became a really special place for me to write about because I thought about how we build culture. And so when you read the book, you'll notice that there are many. Of literature and art and music and dance and games, all those things that, that we build a culture around. But Essie and County made it their own culture. So it was, you know, kind of what they're bringing from Cherokee, what is in this place in Asheville, specifically at the Grove Park. So I really enjoyed the scenes where they're, they're in that space together
0: because I know that some writers like to pull from their own personal experiences and kind of put things in books that they write or in their works of art how much of your own experiences being from North Carolina and your experiences within the Cherokee Nation shape the novel
1: I think the tiniest of details I do some of the the descriptions you know just little fun things that you know, maybe I will only <laughs> appreciate it and know where it came from, but more so, I pulled from experience of this land and this place. You know, because it's a lot of this land doesn't change between 1942 and 2021. So, how it feels to be in the Okanawhite River, for example, I know how that feels. What these woods sound like, smell like, you know feel like I know what that what that's like and so I draw I, I want the reader to have a very physical experience reading my novel if at all possible and so I try to put myself in those places and it's much easier because I've been here my whole life and then you know even Asheville I mean Asheville changes far more than Cherokee does but I think there's just still a sense of place that remains the same that we can connect to and I hope to to bring that out through my writing I don't think I don't think that there's any specific event per se that is from my life it's more just kind of a sensibility and interactions between people maybe the words are different but the feelings between people the way we communicate with people i try to draw on what feels the most natural
0: share with readers what it was like to include the cherokee language in this novel and do you have a favorite cherokee
1: word oh (laughs) So it's far more difficult than some people may realize to include Cherokee language. The reason being is we don't always agree on how to say things. Which can also be said to be a Southern
0: issue. Oh goodness.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, one of the challenges of preserving our language and revitalizing it is just kind of coming to an agreement about how certain things are, are said when they're said. I am fortunate enough that because of other places that I've worked, and the, the fact that I co teach with a language instructor at my a Cherokee language instructor at my high school, I have people to lean on to check all translations. And I will check with more than one fluent speaker because there needs to be some kind of consensus. But I, I get really nervous about it. And, you know, it's kind of limited how much I use it. And it needs to be language one that would be used in casual conversation during the right time period and also accessible to readers who are not familiar with Cherokee language one of my favorite words is tohi which loosely translates to all is right all is balanced all is strong so you want to live life tohi a real simple word that means everything kind of you want you know your your world to be to be balanced and strong and on the right path
0: what do you hope readers will take away from having read even as we breathe
1: i hope that they take away a sense of connectedness between our history in the United States and our current role as citizens in the United States and this commonality between these these time periods but also people and communities and cultures. I hope that that they can appreciate this as a, as a living narrative. You know I've I've joked in the past that I never considered this novel historical fiction until it was time to do the, the press kit for the publisher and I was like oh, yeah, it, yeah it is historical fiction it's set in 1942 and you know? that but I just think I just think of it so much as a contemporary story about people you know people that aren't stuck in the past. And so often Cherokee people, native people are stuck in, you know, sort of literary past. And so hope that it does connect across time and cultures.
0: You mentioned earlier that you've started a new project that you're really excited about. Are you working on another book? And if so, what can you tell us about that book?
1: I am. I'm working on another novel, and it is contemporary. The biggest question is, is it pre- or post-COVID? <laughs> That's changes things. thing. But it's set in, in Cherokee, and I have a female protagonist right now. And I'm looking at—it gets a little difficult to explain uh, at this stage in the game, but I'm looking at traditional Cherokee origin stories— and the values embedded in those. So less so the you know actual events of those, but the values and translating them into a contemporary Cherokee community and how those might play out. So there's a little bit of shadowing the, the contemporary plot with these traditional values embedded in, in these origin stories. So I know that it's a little vague right now, but that's kind of where I am with the novel, so. <laughs>
0: What's something you enjoy doing outside of riding?
1: Well, as I mentioned, I love mountain biking. I like cycling in general, so road biking also, but about 4 years ago when Fire Mountain Trails opened, I really got into the sport. I'm a former basketball player. Played most of my life, I was a basketball player, and so my knees don't didn't hold up <laughs> too well from that. So mountain biking has been phenomenal for helping me stay in shape but also just like getting back into the woods that I used to play in as a child and the the mountain biking community is so supportive and fun in this area that it's it's well, it's really been life-changing for me to do that so cycling in general but you know just anything that gets me outdoors hiking gardening though I, I'm looking out my window right now at some of my dying plants and I shouldn't say gardening, but you know, I like trying.
0: (laughs) I hear that. It's fun trying. I can only grow bamboo. So, you know, what would be your advice to writers who are planning to publish or who want to publish this year?
1: I absolutely recommend taking a writing workshop. Once I had kind of a concept for Even As We Breathe, I took a class through the Great Smokies Rogers Program in Asheville. The instructor was Heather Newton, and <laughs> the name of the, the class was called Get Her Done, Write Your Novel, <laughs> which is a bit cheesy, but it gave me an opportunity to really focus on my work, to find a structure for it and get some early feedback that was crucial. I continued to work on the novel when I attended the Appalachian Writers Workshop in Hindman, Kentucky, which I go to every year. This year I'm teaching there. So, you know, and that helped me continue to build community. You know, this novel wouldn't be published if it wasn't for the Hindman Settlement School and the Appalachian Writers Workshop. I really, really firmly believe in Writers' Workshops You can find writing community and friends and whatnot to workshop with. And that is helpful. But I think also sitting around a table with strangers who don't mind hurting your feelings (laughs) or at least they know they're there to, to be honest with you. I just think it's invaluable.
0: It has been really wonderful talking to you, Annette, about this book, Even As We Breathe. How may listeners of the podcast follow you and find this
1: book? Sure. So I'm on social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find me just by searching my name. I don't hide under anything. And then my book is available anywhere Books are sold, (laughs) but I really recommend uh, shopping with your local independent bookstore uh, in your community, if at all possible. Of course, you can go through University Press of Kentucky, who are my publisher, but find your your favorite indie and purchase from them if you can. I would, you know, I really appreciate that avenue.
0: Annette, thank you again so much for being part of the Writing Wall podcast. We have really enjoyed this interview, and we hope all the listeners out there have too, and that you'll check out Annette Sanuk Saddle's book, Even As We Breathe. Thank you so much
1: for having me. I enjoyed it as well.
0: You can also follow Annette, as she mentioned, on Instagram using the handle at Annette underscore Sanuk underscore Klapsaddle or on Twitter at capital A capital S Clapsaddle and also check for her on Facebook. You can also visit her website, a_sanookclapsaddle.com, for all the latest. And mark your calendars because if you're in Western North Carolina on Thursday, September the 23rd at 2 p.m., stop by the Allegheny Public Library and meet Annette Sanuk Clapsaddle in person. Best of all, if you're in our area, you can pick up a copy of Even As We Breathe at A Touch of Grace, located at 38 South Main Street in Sparta, Chapter's Bookshop, located at 101 East Grayson Street in Galax, Virginia, or at Pages Books and Coffee, located at 192 North Main Street, Mount Airy, North Carolina. From all of us at the Writing Wall Blog and Podcast, we hope everyone has an amazing summer ahead. We will be back with brand new episodes and a whole new lineup coming in August. Until then, if you have a book debuting this summer drop us a message and we will give you a summer shout out because everyone has a story we want to hear yours what is your story If you enjoyed our bonus episode this evening, then you're really going to enjoy this announcement. The Blue Ridge Book Fair is happening Saturday, June twenty-sixth, and we're happy to say we will be honoring one of our own local authors and a Writing Corner Wednesday scribe, Timothy Anders. Come join me and other local authors as we celebrate Timothy's debut novel, Choosing Barabbas. The Blue Ridge Book Fair will take place from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Allegheny Public Library located at 115 Atwood Street in Sparta, North Carolina. Drop by, get your book signed by Timothy Anders, and meet authors like Eldon Joins, Pratt Davis, Zoe M. McCarthy, Kay Bodine, Elaine Mortez, Suzanne Irwin, and me, Stacey Hawks. Check out The Writing Wall website and follow us on Twitter at The Writing Wall or on Instagram at writingsonthewall85 for more information and updates or check out dividingridgebooks.webador.com. To support this local indie event, please use the hashtag Blue Ridge Book Fair. Because we all have a story, come hear these local indies, share theirs with you. Anytime I purchase a book, I always review, and if I really enjoy reading your work, rest assured it may be shared here on this podcast with my listeners and followers. Of course, I will do so with permission from the author or authors first. Please like, follow, and share this information with other writers, and if you ever need a writer's lift, visit me on social media. Thank you all again for being here for this podcast. I look forward to hearing from you and learning more about the stories you weave.